reconsider the effect of this year's unusual training camp and look at a possible Dalvin Cook holdout on today's episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Welcome to the start of another week here on Fantasy Football in 15 at The Athletic. Thanks for starting your week with us. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, how was your weekend, man? It was great. You know, we had the start of baseball season. It's nice to have baseball and football both up and running. And it's nice to have some good news uh, coming out of the weekend as well. How'd things go for you? Yeah, things were great, man. I watched a lot of baseball this weekend, which was excellent. Just starting with those first two games on Thursday night and rolling all the way through Sunday was so great to have live sports back in our life. We know we've got the NBA coming our way later this week. And as you said, good news from the NFL this weekend. Also, that's where we're going to get started on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Training camp is on. The NFL and the Players Association agreeing, excuse me, to some key changes to the CBA for 2020. We'll run through them here really quickly. Uh, First, players are going to start showing up this week. They got to have two negative tests in the first four days of camp. Then they'll be allowed to enter the facility at that point. Daily testing will take place for two weeks, and then that will shift to every other day, assuming a team's positivity rate is less than 5%. We're going to have a 16-man practice squad, so double our usual practice squad for this season. Uh, teams or Players excuse me, are going to be able to opt out. Those opt-outs are due by August 3rd. A 20-day training camp, 14 padded practices, as we expected, no preseason games. And for fantasy purposes, that is where I want to focus this discussion, Derek. Just a 20-day training camp, 14 padded practices, no preseason games. That is significantly shortening the uh, lead-up time to the season that we are used to. And while that might not affect the veterans, it certainly could affect the rookies. It could affect veterans who are on new teams or players who are on teams that have new coaching staffs, new regimes in town. Does it affect the way you think about any of those players, whether we are talking about a rookie, maybe we're talking about a big guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who is now on a new team. Maybe we take a look at that Cleveland team that has Kevin Stefanski and an entire new offensive infrastructure. We have some situations that have both, right? If you look at Carolina, you have not only the new coach and Matt Rule coming from Baylor, but you've got a new quarterback taking over in Teddy Bridgewater. Does this truncated preseason where we're not going to have any games before these teams take the field on week one, change the way you look at any of those situations. You know, I feel like the preseason is so much less helpful than you would think on the surface anyway. I mean, you think about the first preseason game, sometimes you don't see any starters there. Think about the fourth preseason game, sometimes teams rest entirely, maybe they play a series or two. Normally you're getting about two games and you're getting two partial games. And you're not even necessarily getting those reps against first-string defenses across the board. Maybe it's for part of those series. Maybe it's for half. It's just it's one of those things where I feel like the missed practice time is what's going to hurt, right? Not yes. having the mini camps and things that ordinarily would have happened after the draft and prior to training camp. I think that's where these teams with important rookies, with new coaching staffs, maybe with new quarterbacks just trying to, to get up to speed – I feel like that's where the biggest disadvantages are going to be. And I've still been kind of wondering, like, do you have to universally downgrade a 
group of position players with rookies? Is it, is it receivers more than running backs? Is it running backs who we want to see on the field in pass protection situations? Mm-hmm. Like, how much can you prove to your coaching staff in practices that you couldn't prove, uh, you could prove also in a preseason game? Like, I don't know if there's that much of a difference in the minds of evaluators at this point, and especially with younger coaches. You mentioned Matt Rule in, in Carolina. I don't think I would worry as much about him getting those decisions right as I would a really old-school sort of coach, right? I mean, like if, if Tom Coughlin were still a coach in this <laughs> league, I'd be worried about how Tom Coughlin would handle rookies in a situation like this. But a lot of those coaches, those dinosaurs, have been pushed out of the league. You know, so I think yeah. if I'm looking for a coach who I feel like is behind the times, I look to Mike McCarthy first and foremost, always, uh, without exception. And I think <laughs> like maybe a guy like CeeDee Lamb, maybe he's a little bit behind simply because of the way McCarthy will handle him. Not even because Lamb is any slower to pick up anything in the playbook than any other player would be, right? It's just how the coach is going to view that situation. So my downgrades would be very specific, and even then, when Lamb's not that expensive in drafts, it's probably not enough to even say that I'm avoiding him. Yeah, I agree with you on the fact that my downgrades are going to be pretty specific, and the one who actually jumped out at me is Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you know, it's, it seems almost sacrilege for someone who went to Wisconsin to say that, but uh, Jonathan Taylor does concern me for a few reasons. Number one is the pass protection factor. I mean, teams are going to still have to find ways to get their rookie running backs to learn their pass pro schemes. Uh, You've got a new quarterback in Indy with Phillip Rivers. So Frank Reich and Phillip Rivers are going to have to figure that out and figure out how what Reich wants to do offensively fits in with Phillip Rivers' game, which I don't think will be too much of a problem for guys who have been around the league for as long as Reich and Rivers have. But now you're talking about Working a rookie running back into that, he's got Marlon Mack to deal with, and we talked with Zach Kiefer, one of our Colts beat writers on this show, probably about five weeks ago now, and he was saying this isn't just going to be Jonathan Taylor's backfield all of a sudden. They're not going to forget about all the great work that Marlon Mack has done for them over the last couple of seasons, and then you look at the fact that Jonathan Taylor is the RB17 in NFFC ADP since July 1st, 31.5 overall. That is a premium pick you're spending on a guy who I think could be working from behind to start the season. Uh, don't even get me started on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who I cannot believe is still RB14 and 21.7. <laughs> I mean, the reason I don't mention him first is because I didn't want him to begin with at that price. But now, I mean, I want nothing to do with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Are we forgetting how good Damian Williams was when he was healthy last year? I think Damian Williams is one of the screaming values in fantasy football in 2020. And that leads me to the other side of this, which is that teams that have continuity, teams that are bringing back the same head coach, the same OC, the same quarterback, like the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, we already had that team ranked very highly, but across the board, Baltimore, another one obviously that comes to mind. Like Those are the guys, I think, who maybe get a little bit of a bump because of what sort of preseason we are going to see this season. I really like the teams that have that continuity this year. Yeah, and I wonder for a situation like New England where they have a quarterback competition and they mm-hmm. don't have continuity at that position for the first time in a long time, do you still trust them because it's Belichick and Josh McDaniels and Belichick has just accomplished more than really any coach in NFL history? So do you look at that situation and treat it differently than a first-year head coach working with a new quarterback? I tend to look at it that way. I tend to look at each situation individually because I feel like some teams are better at adjusting on the fly, better at scheming to their personnel than others. And that's something that I think Belichick's done 
probably as well as any coach in any sport in my lifetime. Like he takes mediocre rosters some years and somehow goes to a Super Bowl and wins. And it floors me every single time. So I have a hard time betting against something like that, even when the odds seem stacked against it. And that would certainly be the situation we're dealing with right now. But I'm not downgrading Patriots simply because uh, Cam Newton and, and Jared Stidham haven't had that opportunity uh, to work with everybody as much as they ordinarily would have. But in that situation with a different team, it might be different. Yeah, maybe something to think about in Chicago. That was going to be a pure quarterback battle between Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And we can stick in the NFC North for our next story. One team that on paper has that continuity that we like is Minnesota. Mike Zimmer just got himself an extension over the weekend. And during uh, his press conference with Minnesota Media said that he talked to Delvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is ready to report. Obviously, Dalvin Cook uh, is uh, not happy about his current contract situation, but Mike Zimmer says all is good. Dalvin will be here on Tuesday when things start to get up and running. And then Dalvin Cook's agent had to weigh in and said, hey, Coach Zimmer, we are very happy for you. Congratulations on your extension. You deserve it. But that conversation didn't happen. You didn't talk to my client. You haven't talked to Dalvin Cook, and we're still thinking about things. So there is some sort of trouble in Minnesota. Dalvin Cook obviously had a breakout 2019 season, all things being equal. You're probably going to see him as the RB5 or so uh, after the big three. Maybe Alvin Kamara, maybe uh, uh, Derrick Henry, but he's going to be an easy first-round pick if he's not holding out. That, however, is a big qualifier, especially with what we've seen from Le'Veon Bell and Melvin Gordon in recent years. As you and I sit here talking about this in late July, what's your concern level with Dalvin Cook? Uh, on a 1-10 to 10 scale, it's probably sitting at about a 3 right now. I mean, I think this is somewhat common for situations like this. I think at the end of the day, the Vikings are going to realize that you know Alexander Madison and Mike Boone, uh, are, they're not Delvin Cook. Uh, even when you mix and match them and, and use them as efficiently as possible, Delvin Cook is a great player. I know we're in this era in which, you know, the running backs don't matter crowd has been pretty boisterous and I think running backs matter a lot less than teams thought they did 10-plus years ago. I think the league understands that at a certain level, you have a three-down back with elite skills who actually does make a pretty significant difference. I think the Vikings know this. Can they fit the Delvin Cook contract in under their cap? I think that's a question some people have put out there. You know, I'm not really sure. If, if they were to miss him for part of the season... I would downgrade the offense a little bit across the board. I mean, I, I again, I, I don't think Madison and Boone, even as a committee, are going to have as much success as Delvin Cook does on a per-touch basis. So you bring the offense down 10% in terms of overall expectations. Maybe they have to throw more, but I don't think that's what they want to do. Even though they've got pretty good weapons in that passing game for Kirk Cousins, I think they kind of found their sweet spot as an offense last year. Uh, so as you were describing that scenario... I had a little smile on my face because I just I love dysfunction in Minnesota. I mean, I'm a, for people who don't know, I'm a Packers fan. So anytime things are not going well, anytime things are not happy in Vikings camp, uh, that brings joy to my heart. And Zimmer, I mean, he's done a good job there. He's 57, yeah. 38, and one. So he's got almost a 600 winning percentage in six seasons. So he's he's a good coach just based on success. I feel like he's. A little more of that old school mentality, though, where things could unravel on him pretty quickly. 
and he doesn't seem flexible to me. You know, he seems like a defense-first coach. I think that's why we've seen so many offensive coordinators roll through there over the years as well. So I do wonder if, if they could be a little bit more of a house of cards on the offensive side of the ball than we would think, and if they're underestimating the importance of Dalvin Cook and just giving them some necessary balance to sort of maximize the effectiveness of Cousins in their passing game. Yeah, I understand the logic of the running back doesn't matter argument. I think that there is something to be said for it, but what does matter is great players, right? No one's going to say you can just replace Christian McCaffrey because he's a running back. Great players matter, including those who happen to play the running back position, and I do think Dalvin Cook falls into that discussion. You and I are both going to actually be drafting fantasy football teams in about a week here. Our colleague Jake Seeley putting together his annual Flex League drafts and auctions. You and I are both participating in those. I know you are in one of the Super Flex League drafts. I am in the other one. So let's say a week from now, this isn't yet settled. Where do you end up taking Dalvin Cook? Does it have to be behind guys like McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Derrick Henry. Obviously, quarterbacks are going to be in the discussion, too, since we're both in super flex leagues. Uh, which, where, and where does Dalvin Cook end up going for you? How far do you let him fall before you jump in? Probably like mid-round two, late-round two. Super flex does shake things up quite a bit. I think quarterbacks are going to get pushed up, as they always do in that format, because mm-hmm. people draft them like two quarterback leagues, as they should. So I would say... If I had an early first-round pick and Delvin Cook were there with that second selection, I'd strongly consider it because, again, I'm at a 3 on the 1-10 to 10 scale. I think they're going to resolve this. He's yeah. going to be there. He'll be on the field in Week 1, and he'll be able to do something close to what we saw a year ago. I mean, I think the, the main issue with Delvin Cook really is health. I think that's where the extra risk comes from. But over 300 touches last year, over 1,600 yards from scrimmage, 13 touchdowns. I think he can actually do a little bit better. If we get 16 games from Delvin Cook, we could actually get his best season yet. Yeah, I'm not concerned about Dalvin Cook really at all. I, I don't think I'd change much of anything. I think maybe the one guy who I wasn't taking ahead of him before this, who maybe I would consider in the flex ahead of him, is Alvin Kamara, just because I think we're going to get a big bounce-back season from Alvin Kamara. Remember, Kamara played basically zero games when he was healthy and Drew Brees was healthy last year, so I think Alvin Kamara comes back for us in a big, big way this season. One more story to get to before we wrap things up here, and this one we can progress through pretty quickly because the big news, or the news that is driving this, it happened on the defensive side of the ball. Jamal Adams finally got his way out of New York and away from Adam Gase. The Jets trade him to Seattle for a package that includes first-round picks in both of the next two drafts. That takes a big bite out of this Jets defense. The defense could be now a weakness for the Jets. Their win total was already down at seven, so Vegas wasn't expecting too much from the Jets to begin with. We know what a bad defense can do for a team's offense in the fantasy world. Does this at all increase your interest in players like Le'Veon Bell, Jamison Crowder, Sam Darnold, Chris Herndon, now that the Jets are without one of their best defensive players over the last couple of seasons? I do think you know bad defense can be good for fantasy offenses. We talk about that all the time. But the problem I have in this offense is I don't have a good feel for how Perriman and Mims and Herndon are going to work in terms of their distribution of targets. I think Jamison Crowder, pretty safely, the slot guy, going to get his kind of every single week in full PPR leagues. Maybe he gets a slight bump up. I think Darnold gets the biggest lift because he's the key here. And we've talked about the improvements on the offensive line. That needs to materialize if this offense is going to keep him upright and keep him healthy this season. Maybe the offensive line play also nudges up Le'Veon Bell a bit, but 
Uh, I do think the fact that Bell catches a ton of passes, maybe this mm-hmm. nudges his floor up slightly. I don't know if that leads me to actually upgrade him much from where I'd have him anyway. I do think that ADP is about right. And he's not necessarily a guy that I want to get there, but if the board kind of falls the right way, he becomes a player that I might have to take in that spot. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to think about this, uh, especially with Bell. Uh, so right now he's the RB20. Guys right in front of him, James Conner, who I still like better. Leonard Fournette, I always like Le- Le'Veon Bell better than Leonard Fournette. Jonathan Taylor, I always like Le'Veon Bell better than Jonathan Taylor. So I feel a little bit more comfortable about where his floor is, Bell that is. But I do think that this isn't enough of a needle mover to bump any Jets up in a significant way. Maybe just feel a little bit better about their prospects if that defense does end up being worse after the trade of Jamal Adams. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Thanks again for starting your week with us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We greatly appreciate it. And if you are not yet an athletic subscriber, sports are back What are you waiting for? You can now get a 40% off on your subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 will be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.